Welcome to COTK Online. It is great to be with you today. We are starting a brand new series called The Blessed Life. And my heart for you is that you know that God has a purpose and a plan for you and that he has a heart to bless you. And I imagine that if I could see your hands in this video, and I obviously I can't, but if I could ask you how many of you feel like you are blessed, I have a feeling that a lot of you would probably raise your hand and say, I'm blessed. Yes, I I can look at my life and go, there's a lot to be grateful for. I'm blessed. I know that I'm raising my hand saying, I'm blessed. But the question that I have for you is this, do you want to be more blessed? That's not necessarily a selfish thing at all because everybody likes blessing. Do you want to be more blessed? Because today I want to talk to you about what it means to live the life that God's called you to the blessed life. Here's what we see in Acts 20, 35. It says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So if you said, hey, that's me, I'd love to be more blessed. I want you to understand the heart of generosity. In fact, that's the title for today's message, the heart of generosity, because God has called us to be givers. That's why Jesus said, It's better to give than to receive. You know, I grew up in a home where generosity was a lifestyle. It's how my dad lived. Now, with my sister and myself, he was a giving man, but he always wanted to know us to know why he was doing this, because he loved us. He also wanted us to know what he expected of us, which was to steward what he was giving us well, to live in a, in a manner that was worthy of the Schumacher household. And I'm very grateful. I thought when I was younger that my dad was a hard man, and he was hard on me, but it was because there was a purpose. But one thing he never did was withhold love and withhold blessing. And I'm just so honored and grateful for that. And I can look at my dad and see not just the generosity towards me, because truthfully, while he was hard on me and he was generous with me, that it was always because I was his son and, and, and he wanted something for me through the generosity. But I got to watch the way that he lived and how he was constantly giving, giving of his time, giving of his talent. My dad was a physician. He, he was a multidisciplined physician. He did his first residency in internal medicine, then went back and did one in radiology, which is diagnostic. But I cannot tell you the number of people, honestly, through the years, hundreds of people that dad treated at his house because they were in need and they didn't have money or there was a situation that precluded them from getting traditional health care And dad went out of his way to help them. He was generous. He also bartered an awful lot. So we got some really cool stuff because they didn't have money, but they'd give us, uh, I know once he bartered for a pig. He bartered for food a lot. He bartered for guns. We lived in Southwest Louisiana. What's the point? That he was always willing to give. And I'm very grateful for that. Why? Because he lived out Jesus's words. It's better to give than to receive. And and I want you to be more blessed. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 says this. It says, one person gives freely, yet he gains even more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. 
A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So here is the key thought that I want you to get. The key to the blessed life is having a heart of generosity. Do you have a heart of generosity? Are you willing to take what's in your hand and give it to others? Because there is joy and freedom in that. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is just a basic agricultural principle. If you don't sow seed, you're not going to get a harvest. But if you sow a lot of seed, you're probably going to get a big harvest. Look at verse 7. It says, each of you should give what you've decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is a God of freedom, and he is giving you the choice as to whether or not you are going to be a giver and whether or not you are going to live generously. And he explicitly says, I don't want you to, to like reluctantly give or out of compulsion. I want you to give what you've decided to give. But he's also very plain and very clear about those who have a heart to live generously. That there's blessing because of that. Look at verse 8. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly. Bless us abundantly when? When we're willing to give, when we're a cheerful giver, when we, we have a heart of generosity that says, I decide. It's not because somebody's making me. It's not because I feel like shame or compelled, like manipulated to give. No, I want to give because my heart is full of generosity and I'm happy to do it. I'm cheerful to give. What does it say? It says, God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's huge. To have a heart of generosity and say, I'm a cheerful giver, God, that enables him to bless you. That's what he says. God's able to bless you. Do you know in the Old Testament, there were whole festivals all around sacrifices and giving. They were cheerfully doing it because they understood the heart of God was one of blessing. But God always gives us freedom to choose. Do I want to live his way and say, I'm going to live generously and walk in his blessing or hold on to our own seed? You just reap your own harvest. And God's heart is for you to trust him. What would happen? What would happen if you became so generous that God was able to bless not just you, but your children and your grandchildren and maybe even the whole world? world. Like that that's not that's not fallacy to think that your generosity can reshape the world. Generosity is huge. What if what if everybody in the body of Christ willingly gave to meet each other's needs? If the church lived as God designed it, We would live open-handed. Do you realize there would be no need for health insurance because we would make sure that everybody was taken care of? There would be no hungry among us because we would make sure that everybody would take care of one another. Why am I preaching this message? If we're living like Jesus, we're doing this, right? Well, statistically, only about 
and this was from 1997. So this stat is actually way less now. Only about 1.8% of Christians generously give at what God says we should at a tithe in 10%. What if we all did? Oh my gosh, it would change the world. Which begs the question, why aren't people more generous? Is it because they like being stingy and miserly? No, I genuinely don't think that's the case. I believe that people want to be generous. I believe that you want to be generous. But there's some mindsets. I want to talk about three mindsets that we really need to address if we want to understand what it means to live a generous life and a blessed life. Here's the first one. It's the mindset of the bag. The bag mindset. Haggai 1.6 says this. It says, you have sown much only to harvest little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. Wow, if you're barely making it, maybe you wanted to get drunk. You don't even have enough alcohol to get drunk. You put on clothing, but there's not enough for anyone to get warm. And the one who earns, earns wages to put it into a money bag that's full of holes. You see, that is a bag mindset. I, I, I just don't have enough. I don't have enough to eat. I don't have enough to drink. I don't have clothing that's adequate. And whatever I do put in, like whatever I earn, whatever money I get, I put it in the bag, but it's like it's gone. It's got holes in it. It falls out. See, the, the mindset of the bag, the bag mindset says, I never really have enough. Is that your mindset? Maybe you want to be generous. And you're like, I would. If I had enough, I I would give. But I don't have enough to give. This is where you begin to see that generosity is a test from God to trust Him. One person freely gives, yet gains more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Do you have a bag mindset that says, I just don't have enough? I would if I could, but I can't. But you see in that statement that says, I can't, you just limited God. Because the truth of the matter is, you won't. It sounds harsh, doesn't it? But I don't even have enough. Hmm. You know, it's really interesting. One of the, the books that I've read in preparation for this series is The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. What an amazing book. But one of the things that he keys in on is how important it is, and we'll talk about this in, in later messages, how important it is that we give God our first and our best. But it's also a scary thing when it comes to kids and money. Because if you give God your kid and something happens to the kid, you may not have another one. If you, give, if you give generously out of what you have before you've, like, I don't know if I'm going to have enough. Mm, you might not, right? Isn't that the mindset, though, of, Lord, I know what your word says. What does it say? A generous person will prosper. I, I would be, but I can't. See, that's the test. Do you have a bag mindset? I watched my dad growing up give, 
give, give. Did we live comfortably? Yeah. But at one point in his life, he was giving almost 40% of his income away, and God was blessing his socks off. I so clearly remember standing in the driveway with one of the missionaries that dad supported. His name was Lee Hartwell, Pathlighter Crusades in El Salvador. They've literally raised up hundreds and hundreds of pastors and planted hundreds and hundreds of churches in El Salvador. And I remember Brother Lee coming to the house, and Dad had gotten this truck that was big, 4 by 4 F-350, four-door. This was back in probably the early 90s. And Brother Lee came by, and wow, that's a nice truck. And I watched my dad just say, hey, um, it's for you. Here's the keys. And made sure that he could drive it back. Dad didn't have to do that. He chose to do that because he always knew we'd always have enough because God is a God of abundance. You know who had a bag mindset biblically? Judas. Judas was so concerned with the money. In fact, the thing that the enemy used to tweak Judas out, the thing that really was the tipping point for him was when a woman of the night came and bowed before Jesus and took some very expensive perfume, about a year's worth of wages. So you could imagine maybe this was thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of a this super expensive perfume, and she broke it and put it on Jesus' feet to honor him and gratitude for what he had done for her. And Judas got upset. And that was the incident that caused him to go to the religious leaders who hated hated Jesus, and Judas betrayed Jesus for a bag full of 30 coins because he didn't understand generosity. And he was offended with someone who did give. I want you to be a person who doesn't just understand generosity, and desire it, but that you trust God. And you don't have a bag mindset. I don't have enough. It's like everything just falls out. How do you know if you have a bag mindset? Like there's never enough. And like everything starts to happen bad. And you're like, oh, why is that? Like I, the transmission went out. The AC went out. I got medical bills. The car, the, I got a vet bill because my, my dog got in a fight. Don't let your circumstances keep you from trusting God and living generously. The second mindset is this. It's the basket mindset. If the bag mindset says, my bag has holes in it, like everything I put in it just comes right out, there's never enough. The basket mindset says, there's always more than enough. In Deuteronomy 28, which by the way, I love Deuteronomy 28 because it's it's what happens. It's the blessing and the curses chapter. If you obey me, this is what happens. If you don't obey me, this is what happens. And we're at the beginning of Deuteronomy 28 and verses 4 and 6. God's saying, if you obey me, this is what happens. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your hearts and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit basket and breadboards will be blessed. And wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Why? Because you trust God enough to take him at his word and live by it. That's huge. 
In Luke 6.38, Jesus says this. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured out into your lap. For with what measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is saying, hey, if you give, you can't outgive me. Give, and it's going to be given right back to you. Do you see the test of generosity? Acts 20, 35, it's better to give than to receive. Jesus said that. He says here, give, it's going to be given to you. Listen, he's also saying, we saw in 2 Corinthians, like you've got to decide. So the question that I have, are you going to decide to be a person who is generous? A person who's generous or not. You know, don't limit the blessings of God simply to finances. That, that's really foolish because it's not primarily about finances. It is about finances. It's a great way to see what we value. If we, we look at, at our, our bank statement, we can see what we value. But can I just tell you, when you give life to other people, you will be refreshed. That's what it says in, in Proverbs chapter 11, that one of the blessings of generosity is when you open your hands and you give to others, you reap what you sow. So if you sow into people relationally, guess what you're going to reap? Relationship. It may not be with that person, but you're going to reap what you sow, which is why Jesus says, give. One of my favorite stories in the Gospels is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But it all started because this one kid had a lunch. Now, there's, there's 5,000 people there, not counting the women and the children. So it's more like 20,000 people is what they think. I've actually been to the hillside that, that, that we know somewhere in that area, Jesus was speaking to about 20,000 people, and they were hungry. It was getting late, and he looks at his disciples, and he says, you know what, we got to feed these guys. I'm like, how can we do that? And he's like, well, let's figure it out. So they, they bring to Jesus this lunch that they got from this little boy whose mama had packed him a lunch of five loaves and two fish. And what's interesting about this story is not necessarily the story by itself, though it's a fantastic story. This is unique in that all four recorded two things, the feeding of the 5,000 and the resurrection of Jesus. Why is that? Because both are supremely significant. And this one little boy had five loaves of bread, two fish, And it ends up in Jesus' hands. And if you don't know the story, Jesus tells the disciples, all right, start, start divvying it out. I mean, this is a stadium full of people, basically. It's a hillside with thousands and thousands of people. And they start passing out this, this fish and this bread, and it never runs out. And in fact, at the end, guess what happens? There's 12 baskets of bread and fish left over. That means every single one of Jesus' 12 disciples were left holding a basket, more than enough food for everything they needed. The basket mindset says, Jesus, everything I have is yours. And one little kid with five loaves of bread and two fish, that's a lot of food for that kid. It was probably more than for, for just him, but still that one, that one meal fed literally thousands of families. 
but it had to be given. And in the end, it was more than enough. And you have to know that God's word is true and that to live the blessed life, you have to be willing to let go of your own seed and give it to Jesus. Lord, I give you my time. I give you all of me. I give you my finances. I give you my marriage. I give you my children. I really believe that that God wants to know how much can he bless you with? How much can he bless you with? Are you a bag person? Are you a basket person? But there's one more mindset. It's the barn mindset. The barn mindset says there is infinitely more than enough. Luke 16, 10 says this, whoever can be trusted with little, that's what's in your bag. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. That's the barn. And whoever is dishonest with very little, the bag, will also be dishonest with much. That's the barn. The reason that so many people struggle from freeing themselves from a bag mindset is because they find it very difficult to be faithful with just the little bit. So my question is, how much can God bless you? It will be contingent on how much of your life you are willing to say, I am generous. I mean, God is convicting me on this. Am I generous with my time? Am I, am I generous in my relationships? I've never worried about money. I've never been fearful about money. You can ask my wife. You can ask my parents because I know this. God is a God of abundance, and I've been a tither. I've been a giver my whole life. I give above the tithe. I give not just tithe. I've given guns. I've given guitars. I've given homes. I've given cars. Like I'm a giver. Like That's not an issue, but there's other things. Like Maybe God's been putting his finger on my heart. Am, am I a a bag mentality? Do I have that mindset in other areas? Because I want to grow and I want to be blessed in every area. So I have to be willing to go, Lord, here it is. Do you have a bag mindset? Or do you have a basket mindset? There's more than enough. But my heart for you is that God can bless your socks off because you have a barn mentality that there is always more than enough. Always more than enough. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Why the first? Because it's faith. You don't know if there's going to be any more. This is what God honors, and it's faith. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My prayer for you is that you can live generously. And maybe God has blessed you. Maybe he's blessed you financially. My question is, do you view it as your blessing or a blessing from him? And if you do, how do you deal with that? Do you live open-handed with your finances? Do you live open-handed with your relationships, with your time? Are you a generous person? Here's the hallmark of a generous person. And this, I'm wrapping up, so this is so key. A generous person understands the power of living in abundance. There's always going to be 
more than enough. And when you can get that down in your heart, the, the Bible even says, I, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread because God is a generous God. And when you trust him, you can get down in your heart. The, the, the root of generosity is God is a God of abundance and I will always have more than I need, more time than I need, more resources than I need, more money than I need, because I know that it's not mine to begin with. It's his. You know who is the most generous one that's ever lived? It's God. Because John 3.16, you probably know it, says this. For God so loved, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why did he do that? Because he loved us. So often we think of miserliness not for what it is. It's a lack of love. But when you know God's love for you and you love him and you love people, your heart will be open and be generous. It's better to give than to receive. But if you've never received the love of God, if you've never received the gift of Jesus in your life, you'll always struggle to give. And maybe, maybe this message about generosity is hitting home with you because you've not opened your heart to receive the love of God, that he loves you so much he gave Jesus so that you could be saved saved from the brokenness of this world and live the life of blessing he's called you to. And if that's you, I want to pray with you right now. If that's you, just pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, I open my heart to you. I give you my heart. Thank you, Father, that you gave Jesus to die on that cross for my sins. I open my heart and I open my hands and I give you all of me. I am yours in Jesus' name. Amen. And if that's you and you prayed that prayer, let me just say that is a moment of salvation. That is a moment of conversion. That is a moment to celebrate because you've surrendered. You've opened your heart to a generous God. And my heart for you is that you can know that there is more than enough in what he has in store for you and his blessings. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Click on the link. Send us a note. Let us know so that we can connect you with relationships and resources to help you grow. Love you guys. Great being with you. See you next week. God bless.